You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Krakowski, and today I want to talk through our off-season report card for the defensive line position for the Packers, checking out our current roster. Uh, the last move left for the perfect free agency for the Packers and some possible defensive linemen in the draft who really stuck out to me that the Packers just might go after come draft day. So uh, I want to first start by looking, starting an off-season report card for the defensive linemen by looking at the current roster, which is made up of uh, defensive tackle, uh, nose tackle Kenny Clark, defensive end, D-tackle Dean Lowry, D-tackle Tyler Lancaster, Montrevis Adams, and Kingsley Kiki. So I want to start with the the best of them all, and that's Kenny Clark. So Clark is he's one of the league's better pass rushing forces inside, honestly. Uh, if you didn't know this, but he is generally a nose tackle and gets tons of double teams. Only And even knowing that, only Aaron Donald and Chris Jones had a higher PFF pass rushing grade than Clark this last year. He had 69 total pressures, even though he faced two-plus blockers on 294 pass rush attempts this season. And he had a 13.9% win rate, which was fourth best among all interior defenders. Uh, and Clark was 23rd in QB pressure, pressure rate among all defensive linemen, including edge rushers. And Clark is just making himself known as he, he cracked the top 101 players in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus at number 97. Clark is a player that Packers drafted at the age of 20 years old is really coming into his own already before the age of 25 and is to me honestly a top three defensive line in the league only behind uh, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Uh, Clark has stated that he uh, he's he's actually he's the best player on our roster and I'm pumped we have him and I hope we have him for the long term. Uh, Clark has talked about lately that he's waiting for someone to break the ice on a contract extension and hope the Packers can take advantage of this offseason to get that done. With all contract extensions, I am on the belief side that the earlier you get them done, the better. And the longer you wait on extending a player like Kenny Clark, the higher his price tag is going to go up. Clark deserves an extension. Get this guy paid. Uh, I want him in Green Bay for a very, very long time. Next I want to look at is Dean Lowry. Uh, in 2019, Lowry had a PFF grade of 63.0, which is which is below average, and I'm hoping every player on my team, if I'm building a roster, is at about 70 plus in their grades overall, uh, for my starters at least. It's kind of sad when Dean Lowry is the second best defensive lineman on your team uh, with that type of grade. Lowry's statistics are somewhat deflated, actually, as what Lowry was asked to do last year in Petten's defense. He really isn't capable of doing. In Penton's defense, the Packers will play a lot of the time with only two defensive linemen on the field because, uh, and because this is true, you'd want a little larger player to play on those sets. But the Packers asked Dean Lauer to be more of a D tackle in those two D linemen sets than a D end, which just he isn't capable of capable of doing. Lowry is under 300 pounds in a, in a, in a two DL, D lineman look. You're looking for two players who are probably at least 310 plus to really clog up the middle of the defense. And because Lowry's a little undersized because he's meant to be a 3-4 DN, he really couldn't hold up in that capacity. You saw that this year in our run defense when we had two defensive linemen on the field. When Lowry is asked to do what he's meant to do as a 3-4 defensive end, he can hold up and he can play well. And 
That could be seen in 2018 when he had a 73.1 overall grade, which is good, above average. Uh, It's a good grade. 66 is like average, so it's just a good grade overall. And I think that's why the Packers extended him to a three-year extension for about $20 million, uh, which is very interesting. I, I believe the Packers must be hoping to take advantage of Lowry being used more at his traditional 3-4 DN position next season for him to command almost $7 million a year. I don't think he deserves $7 million a year unless he gets back to his 2018 form and the Packers are playing more of that 3-4 defensive end look, which maybe they plan on doing next year and maybe why they were able to get that extension done. Uh, right now, I'm not convinced uh, he isn't just easily replaceable, sadly, but We'll have to suffer the consequences of that later. And let's cross my fingers that he improves next season back to 2018 form. And he is a player who we're very excited about. And at $7 million a year, uh, he will be a good deal for the Packers. But right now, I cannot uh, put my stake in that claim. So next thing I want to talk about, Tyler Lancaster. So Lancaster was recently tendered by the Packers as he was a restricted free agent. And for a player who started 10 games this last season for the Packers, technically, his contract is very minimal. And he's a great player to keep around for the Packers. He was definitely more promising in 2018 uh, as a rookie than he performed in 2019. In 2018, he had limited action, and he was able to post a 76.5 overall grade, which is really good, which is good, um, which was very promising going into 2019. And... But what happened in 2019 is with more playing time, he ended up having a below average 64.5 overall grade, which is a little below average. Uh, Lancaster, we kind of saw this year with more snaps, seeing him in a more full capacity. Uh, He is a great player to have as a depth player for the Packers if an injury were to happen. But based off what we saw last season, he probably shouldn't be a starter for the Packers, but simply a backup. The next two players... Uh, I want to talk about are uh, some of the more unique type players, and that's Montrevious Adams and Kingsley Kiki, because these are two players who Brian Gudikins actually hyped up on the team in his offseason presser and how he thinks we're going to see a lot more from both of these guys next season, meaning he expects a lot from these two next season, and maybe they'll be the guys to step up and take over on the defensive line. And f- uh, first, let's look at Montrevious Adams, because he – uh, so Adam stands at 6'4", 306 pounds. Adam's last offseason actually showed a lot of power and speed. He was dominating interior offensive linemen in practice against the Texans preseason. He's just having a really strong offseason. He was actually named offseason MVP. Kenny Clark was boosting him up a ton. He was getting first-team reps in the base 3-4 defense. And he is set to have a breakout season after finishing 2018 on a very positive note, actually. But then Montrevious had a shoulder injury to start the year and really kept him out of play for the next month or two. And then by the time he was finally out the injury report, I think he lost a lot of strength and really wasn't in condition to be playing, sadly. Injuries are hard for players, um, but with Adams being able to take the offseason to get healthy and get back into shape, I think he could have a huge impact, which uh, Gudikins really expects him to do. The second guy I want to talk about is Kingsley Kiki. So, uh, DN out of Texas A&M. He was drafted in the fifth round last year in 2018. And it really has a chance, I think, to become an NFL starter just based off his athleticism and what we saw in college. He ran a 4.9540 at 6'3", 288 pounds, which is pretty good. In college, Kiki was 
great at the point of attack. He was outstanding in the run game, which is evident because he has just these ridiculously long arms, which is essential for disengaging with blockers. And what stood out the most for Kiki was his ability to rush the passer, actually, in college. He is formerly a D-tackle at about 300 pounds. He lost weight, go down to 288 for his senior year, played that more traditional 3-4 defensive end. He had seven sacks, 11 tackles for losses, a senior at that D-line position. And he has he just has an athleticism that is very intriguing. He's fast, uh, but he actually uh, is still a little weak. He needs to get stronger overall, and I think that's what we saw him sitting on the bench this year, just him needing to catch up uh, strength-wise. And even though last offseason and the preseason, Kiki looked really good at the point of attack and dominated in the run game at times uh, in the preseason, but uh, I think Kiki was taking this year to really get stronger uh, and after one year in the NFL, uh, look for him to step in and fight for some of these D lineman snaps. And I think he will be a great D end in our scheme. And so as I look um, at our current roster, uh, what we know is that uh, as we look back at the 2019 year, if you're going to look at our defense, you're going to say anything. You're going to say, what did the Packers struggle with? They struggled at stopping the run. Okay. And that starts up front. It starts with your linebackers. Uh, we have the linebackers we have. And I think in our scheme, what we need to do is we need to have a good D line, let the linebackers be able to roam freely and be able to make tackles and stop the run. And that's how you're going to do it. And I think that's how the Packers plan on doing it. Yeah. Last season that didn't work. And these are, and the players that we had out there were Kenny Clark, Elite player, not his fault. You had Dean Lowry, played below average. Tyler Lancaster, played below average. And so as I look at those two guys, there's two open positions for me in a, in some capacity. Uh, uh, and there's going to be, I think, a big competition for uh, the Packers in this positional battle next next year, next off, or this upcoming year. Based on what we heard from Gudikins and his excitement for the potential of guys like Kiki and Adams to grow into valuable pieces on our defensive line next season, it's probably unlikely that the Packers would consider going after a free agent D lineman or even using picks on some of the draft. But on the other side of the coin, the Packers only have one proven D lineman in Kenny Clark. The Packers do not have a lineman who can start next to Clark in two D lineman sets. And neither Lancaster, Adams, or Kiki have proved that they can start yet for the Packers. There's some potential for these guys to blossom into solid starters, but can we take that chance? I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can walk into next season just hoping that one of these three guys steps up because if they don't and we don't address this position, we're going to struggle to stop the run again next season. And so I say if there is a perfect free agent at a reasonable price, we should go out and get him. And if there's a guy who can start at nose tackle, move Kenny Clark to D-tackle, or D-N, D-tackle slash D-N. If there is a guy who can play defensive end uh, and be an immediate upgrade over one of those three guys because we just don't know what we're going to get from them yet, maybe you should go after them. Uh, Right now, as I look at free agency, uh, I think there is a perfect free agent at a reasonable price, and who is still unsigned, who I believe would be a steal for the Packers. They could get him to come play for them. And that Damon Harrison is that guy. 
many of you know him as Damon Snacks Harrison. He doesn't prefer snacks anymore. So it's Damon Harrison. And I, I want to explain why for four big reasons. So first, Damon Harrison is the perfect fit, I think, for the Packers. Uh, Damon is this 6'3", 353 pounds, just mammoth. Uh, pretty heavy player. He's a true nose tackle. But in Petten's scheme, when the Packers are playing two defensive linemen and or even in a 3-4 base set, Damon would be the run stopper this Packers team needs. Uh, uh, with Harrison and Clark on the field, no offense could block these two guys with even just three players sometimes. They would need four guys to block these two mammoths and would open up a lot of space for our edge guys and our inside linebackers to have free lanes and stopping the run, which was a big problem for the Packers last season. Second, Damon Harrison has been one of the best nose tackles in the league for years. He's just had a one poor season in 2019, and some of that was due to injury. If you look at his PFF grades, you see that from 2013 to 2018, six years, he posted elite grades. It has been amazing except for just one season where he posted a really good grade, still in the high 70s. His only below average season was his rookie year and this last season where he had some injury problems. Harrison can be a dominant D lineman still, and he's being totally overlooked right now. And with team doctors unable to evaluate him, teams are staying away because he had injury concerns this last year's. And I and I get that, but he's a cheap option, and uh, the Packers should get this man a contract. They can always back out if when he finally gets his medicals done, he doesn't pan out and medicals say he's still injured or something. They can back out of that contract, but go and get this man because. He provides a piece to your defense that you're exactly missing. Third, he's going to be a cheap option. Damon has struggled with some injuries the last few years, which is going to keep his price down. And players like Damon Harris, Damon, who have recently signed contracts like Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris, they didn't get paid very much. And his market value is really low right now for D lineman, veteran D lineman like him. I mean, the Packers could most likely go sign Dan to a one-year, four million dollar deal and immediately have a starter next to Clark, who, if healthy, will play at a very high, possibly even an elite level, like he has just over a season ago for six years straight. Finally, Damon was most recently playing for the Detroit Lions, but he was cut which means Damon is a street free agent, meaning he won't affect the compensatory pick evaluation next offseason. Mean the Packers will still get lots of extra picks for the guys they lost this year in free agency, which is a big deal. We've talked about it a lot on the show. And so he wouldn't affect that evaluation. Damon is the last piece of the puzzle this Packers team needs to have true flexibility come draft day and be able to draft the best players available. The Packers' defense would be set if they had to play a game tomorrow with Harrison starting next to Clark on the inside, and it would be impossible to run against the Packers next season. Damon is a cheap, proven option who would be an immediate upgrade and make an immediate impact on our defense next season. I don't know how he isn't signed at this point. I think it's injuries. I think it's doc- team doctors not being able to be being able to see him. I say you call him up, you talk to his agent, and you sign a contract based off when he if when. The Packers are able to evaluate him. If he's healthy, he's good to go. And they sign him. They settle that position. They fill in that hole in the roster. And they should do that now before another team snatches him up. I really think if healthy, Damon Harrison is going to be the steal of free agency. Uh, the Packers have done this all offseason. They've been getting guys who are going to be steals. You know, Some of them a little risky at times. But I think Christian Kirksey, six and a half million a year, steal. 
Rick Wagner, five and a half million a year, steal. Value, they we found value. Devin Funches, two and a half million a year, that's value. This is value. These are steals. That's what I call a steal: is finding value for a player, getting a guy who is going to get you much more uh, from for such a less cost. Okay, and that's exactly what Damon Harris can do. Packers struggle to stop the run next year. Uh, inside linebackers, aren't, you're not going to find them for a cheap price, but you can find a nose tackle and then put Kenny Clark next to him, and they can take up four blockers, and you don't need a good inside linebacker. We don't need to draft an inside linebacker at 30 because we have two guys literally taking up the center guard on both sides and sometimes affecting a tackle. That's four offensive linemen. How are you supposed to block an inside linebacker as well? You're going to have free reign going right after the quarterback with two guys, at one guy at 353 and one guy at 316, Kenny Clark, who was one of the most double-teamed players last season. Now think about having Damon Harrison Harrison next to him. This has to happen. Okay. Lastly today, I want to look at this upcoming draft class for the final part of the offseason report card for the defensive line and point out a few prospects who really stuck out to me. So first of all, the Packers interviewed and met up over video chat with a lot of day two uh, D lineman prospects and some of them, including Ross Blacklock, TCU, Rick Juan Davis from Alabama, Justin Medibuke, Texas A&M, and Jordan Elliott from Missouri. To me, this says that the Packers are very interested in drafting a D lineman in this draft. But at the very same time, when your defensive coordinator usually only plays two D linemen at a time, maybe it wouldn't be worth it, knowing how high. Gutekinds is still on Kiki and Montrevious Adams moving forward. So it's I'm getting a lot of different uh, news, and it's kind of confusing for me. I don't know if the Packers are trying to throw off uh, different teams by you know meeting with these D-linemen so that players who they're really interested in are available because he did speak so highly of Kiki and so highly of Adams. And so I'm, I'm interested to see what he'll do there. I could see the Packers... Um, doing something like that. There's been times where the Packers have interviewed a lot of positional players and then not even gone after that position. Other times they've interviewed a lot of that position players and then gone after one of those guys. And so uh, there's smoke screens, there's things all over the place. And so it'll be interesting to see what the Packers do. I broke down the D lineman I'm interested in into three different tiers. And so my tier one begins with one, only one player and one player only, and that player is a guy I'd be willing to trade up for in the second round, and he's Jordan Elliott. So Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, uh, 6'4", two pounds. He's my top-ranked interior defensive lineman in this draft class outside of the obvious players like Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown, uh, who will definitely be drafted away before the Packers' first pick. And, and I want to explain why I like Jordan Elliott so bad because – a lot of evaluators have him like seventh as a D lineman on there, and he's my third. And so Elliott was a first team interior defense lineman in the SEC, which is the best conference in college football. Elliott was the highest graded interior defender in all of college football last season. He had a 92.4 overall grade, 91.1 pass rush grade. He had elite grades in both run defense and pass rush, which made him on the national team of the year. He had a 17.6% pass rush win rate, which was fourth among all Power 5 interior defensive linemen defenders this last year. He's an underclassman as well, which I love, who can literally fit in any scheme. And PFF has him ranked that he should be a first-round player. And other people aren't ranking him that way, 
PFF. Uh, I love PFF. I love what they do. And I think, and I'm totally with them. I think he's as dominant as any defensive lineman in this class. And one big thing is this wasn't just one big year for Jordan Elliott either. He he showed consistent growth as in 2018, he had an overall 86.6 grade. And I think that's a big thing to look at because a lot of players will have one big year and then teams will overdraft them and then they won't show up in the NFL. Elliott's been doing this for a couple years now. And Elliott met with the Packers, I think could be the perfect fit next to Kenny Clark. And he's my top-rated interior defensive lineman that the Packers could draft. And Elliott is the one interior defensive lineman I would consider even trading up for in the second round to make sure I secure. I think he's just too good and is totally being overlooked by most draft evaluators. My tier two now, these are these are my players who I consider drafting with my second round pick. And they include uh, Devon Hal- Hamilton, Ohio State, Marlon Davidson, Auburn, Neville Gallimore, Oklahoma, and Raquan Davis from Alabama. So uh, my tier two is basically pretty interchangeable to me. I'm having a hard, very hard time finding which of these guys I like over the others, but they're all so similar to me. Uh, they all have different traits, which are really good, um, but they're all so similar to me. I would never desire one over the other. Um, there's there's one there's not one who's strong enough that I'd be upset if one of them was picked and I was left with the other one. Honestly, if somehow two of these guys are left at pick 62, the second round pick for the Packers, I would trade. I would trade back and take the one that came to me. Uh, and so uh, let's break these guys down. The first guy in my tier two is Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State. 6'3", 327. He really stuck out to me at the Senior Bowl. Uh, this is a guy who can be a good run stuffer in the NFL. He showed a ton of power. All players in his position voted that he was the North Squad Player of the Week by his position group. Uh, he's a he's a true nose tackle. And he's one of the best bull rushing nose tackles in the draft, just immediately causing the pocket to collapse from the inside out. Uh, he had the best pass rush win rate all week at the Senior Bowl. And he has some true strength with 33 bench press reps, able to take on double teams. And uh, one of the things that stuck out to me the most is uh, there's uh, some new metrics that have come out and shown uh, which tests... Uh, which tests, metrics, things you can measure have shown to be uh, cause the or predict the most success in the NFL? Uh, and for the d- defensive line group, uh, those were war, his war score, uh, his their three cone, their short shuttle, and their height weight and uh, or weight most most specifically. Uh, and he, Devon Hamilton, had the highest war score of all D linemen. And had a good three cone, a good short shuttle, and high weight, which gives him a really good chance of success in the NFL. And I like metrics. I like data. That's what I go off of. And Devon Hamilton matches the data uh, for the best chance. And he proved to me at the Senior Bowl he didn't get all the love at Ohio State playing next to Chase Young. And I think a lot of people are overlooking him because every time they watch tape, they look at Chase Young and they can't stop looking at Chase Young. Yet Devon Hamilton's making a huge impact in the middle of defense. I think Devon Hamilton could do something really similar to what uh, Damon Harrison would do for the Packers and be that 2D lineman set that um, for the Packers that Petten loves to run and would cause the Packers to have really good run stuffers up front if 
opposing teams try to run the ball when they're in those two defensive line sets. Uh, I like Devon Hamilton to be the starter next to Kenny Clark in that situation. The second guy in my tier two is Marlon Davidson out of Auburn, 6'3", 303 pounds. Uh, Davidson was asked to play edge in college because if you know uh, Derek Brown, number one D tackle in the draft, played with him at Auburn. And so he played on the edge just to get more snaps because uh, with a guy like that on the inside, you want to play. That means you lose it, you lose weight, and you play a position you're not comfortable with because you have to be noticed. And so, going into the Senior Bowl after the season was over, he added on about 15 pounds and moved inside at the Senior Bowl and totally dominated. I think this is his natural position. I think this is a position he was meant to play, but with Derek Brown next to him, he never could. And then throughout the Senior Bowl week, he showed great moves to rush the passer on the interior defensive line. He looked fantastic in one-on-one drills, very explosive get-offs, power and speed. He just won with ease. And he almost looked like Aaron Donald at times. And this is more potential than provenness, which is why he's not at the top of my list. But the Senior Bowl was impressive, and I can't get over that. Marlon Davidson has some huge potential as an interior defensive lineman, especially a pass-rushing interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Third in my tier two is Neville Gavimore, Oklahoma, 6'2", 3 and 4 pounds. Gallimore came into my view again. A lot of these guys came into my view at the Senior Bowl. I like use a lot of I think the Senior Bowl does a really good job helping me understand prospects and because I don't have as much access to tape as some of these guys. And Gallimore consistently was a dominant D lineman there. He just had great hand usage, uh, something that some of these other guys didn't. And he took down players at the Senior Bowl. He was constantly in the backfield on run and pass plays, just making an impact, causing pressure. And he was he was probably the most impressive player overall for the North, North Squad, said one evaluator. Uh, and so I like Gallimore a lot. He's not as high to me as Marlon Davidson uh, or Devon Hamilton. He's a little different than Devon Hamilton, but still like him a lot um, as a interior defensive line prospect. And the last guy I'll mention is Raekwon Davis. So uh, this is a guy the Packers met with, uh, 6'7", 312 pounds from Alabama. Raekwon Davis was one of the most highly touted prospects after his first year starting as a sophomore for Alabama, but has never really come to his own in college. Davis uh, has all the athletic tools to be better, but he just struggled to produce in college. Davis has had some off-the-field concerns, that have held him back from really truly being able to produce and train in the offseason, hang around possibly kind of the wrong crowd. Even his family has pointed out that he's just not the guy that uh, he went to college being. And it's kind of sad because he kind of wasted his time away. He was potentially going to be a top 10 pick at one point, and he totally just hasn't proven himself in college football on the field. Uh, but if he could get his act together, he has all the tools to be great. At his height and size, he could be the next Chris Jones, honestly. The measurements that mean the most as you project future success uh, for interior defensive linemen is through cone, short shuttle, height, weight. And Davis fits all those parameters. I would select Davis if he was still around with my uh, third-round pick. Uh, But because of lack of production, I wouldn't gamble on him any sooner than that. Like Raekwon Davis, like him a lot. Even looking back at Gallimore, I don't think I'd use my second-round pick on Gallimore. I don't think he moves the needle that much for me. But uh, Raekwon Davis, Neville Gallimore, these are guys I would select in 
probably the third round. And so the more I think about it, my tier two is kind of Devon Hamilton, Marlon Davidson. My tier three is kind of Neville Gallimore, Raekwon Davis in the third round. And then uh, the tier three group or tier four group then is guys I consider more in like the fifth or sixth round. And there's only two guys and the two players I want to mention are actually team teammates from Baylor, Bravion Roy and James Lynch. So first let's talk about Roy. Uh, Brayvon Roy out of Baylor, 6'1", 333 pounds. He's coming out as an underclassman. He had a great year at Baylor. In 2019, he had 56 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks as a nose tackle, which is kind of unheard of because you're always double teamed as as a nose tackle. One writer said he was one of the best nose tackles in the country. He's a workout freak as well who sadly didn't get to prove himself not being invited to the combine. But I think if he was there, he would have flew up some – uh, big boards for a lot of evaluators. And because pro days were canceled, uh, we don't get to know some of these numbers. Um, and I think that's going to help some people who have really done their research. Uh, this was Roy's first productive year in college. Uh, he had 50 pressures at the nose tackle position. And then he knew how good he was and he came out early for the draft. Uh, he did have a good player play next to him as well. And maybe they worked off each other a little bit, but I think, what I love about Roy is I think he'd be a potential run stuffer this Packers team needs in the fifth round. He could be the guy who would start next to Clark in 2D lineman sets because he has the weight and size to do it. Uh, I think Clark has more potential than even just being a true nose tackle. I think he can play more of a D tackle type. Uh, I think he has the athleticism to do that. And we might be holding Kenny Clark back by taking making him play nose tackle at times. And so... Uh, he might be a late round fit, uh, for the Packers, uh, because the Packers don't have any other nose tackles really on the team, except Kenny Clark, maybe a little Tyler Lancaster, but they need to add, I think a nose tackle in the mix. Uh, the other guy I want to mention is James Lynch, Baylor 6'4", 289. So Lynch played next to Roy. He was more of the typical three, four defensive end. It isn't the guy who can start next to Kenny Clark in two D lineman sets, but he is fantastic. He had a Fantastic senior season. He showed a very high motor, 13 and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, uh, played the end at Baylor, and overall 86.2 pass rush grade. His interior pass rush, pass rush grade was only 64.8. Uh, but although he struggled on the interior, he still had 70 pressures last season. It was a very high number, especially considering Baylor only played 12 or 13 games. Right now, Lynch is projected to be sucked in the fifth round. If that was true, I think he'd be a total steal. What I see from James Lynch is a more athletic Dean Lowry. Okay. So uh, I think James Lynch could be that guy. I'd like, as I think about this draft more and more, I think the Packers, if they're going to add a guy in the draft, there's this tier four group with Bravion Roy, James Lynch. I really like him. I really like him a lot. And I don't think they're that far behind my tier two and tier three group. They, they are, but not a ton. And uh, with as many positional needs the Packers have, would they want to go after a corner early, offensive tackle early, or receiver early, a linebacker early, uh, interior offensive lineman even early, which I really like. I think there's a lot of value there. It doesn't open up uh, space and draft capital to select one of these interior defensive linemen early. And so with guys like Brevion Roy, nose tackle, James Lynch, 3-4 defensive end, uh, late available late in the draft. 
that might be the best place to invest draft capital in. With so many other great positions, as I think about my mock drafts, I I find myself struggling to make room to select an interior defensive lineman early, even though I know they're important to the team. Uh, so in conclusion, the Packers have stars currently on the roster and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry in the true 3-4 base defense. The Packers need to find someone who can start at end or nose tackle in the base defense, base defense, which I think Kiki or Adams have the potential to start at end and allow Clark to stay at nose tackle. The Packers still don't have a guy who can start next to Clark in two D lineman sets. There is an option in free agency who the Packers should go after if his medical checks out in Damon Harrison, who would be a steal. And if the Packers didn't move forward, though, in going after Harrison, there are some guys throughout the draft who could be great additions to this D lineman group in the second round, maybe third, uh, third round, fifth, sixth rounds for the Packers who might be worth taking a flyer on, not knowing how Adams or Kiki will really produce next season, even though Gutekunst is really high on some of these guys. So if I had my way uh, and I had to decide if I was Brian Gutekunst, I would sign Damon Harrison. I'd add him. I'd add the veteran I need, give myself flexibility in the draft because as I look at the draft board and as I see it fall consistently on mock drafts, I'm thinking offensive tackle, receiver, interior offensive lineman even, or corner in my first couple of rounds of selections. And uh, we'll get into more of those players later, but there's so much receiver talent. We need to add another playmaker on offense. We need to add a future to our offensive line. And we need to add future to our cornerback position. Right now, we only have two starters, technically, at corners, so I think. And you usually have three corners on the field at a time nowadays. So I don't know if we have the draft capital to spend on an interior defensive lineman early. And if there's a guy like Damon Harrison out there, you go and sign him. You add flexibility to your draft so you can pick the best players available. So uh, there you have it, guys. Thanks for listening to Packers Now. Please stay safe out there. Keep washing your hands. And as long as you're stuck inside, keep listening to the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, review, s- subscribe to my podcast to get the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.